thank you for listening to my podcast, Miss Z's Storytelling. And I want to welcome you to my podcast as well. We are getting ready to get into the month of May with Crystal, Chevy, Geneva, and Noah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the story, Heat, written by Geneva Holiday, author of Fever and Groove. May. Crystal. I was not happy to be back in New York. I'd only been home for three weeks, but it felt like a year. I'd returned to a shitload of paperwork, emails, and meetings that took up most of my day. And on top of that, I had to attend the gala event at the Brooklyn Museum, something that I truly did not want to do. I just didn't have it in me to put on an evening dress and my happy face. I so wanted to be back in Antigua, barefoot and braless, sitting on Neville's veranda and staring out at the sea. When I arrived home, my answering machine was filled with messages, one from Chevy advising me that she would see me at the gala, two from my mother, ten from Geneva, who with each message sounded like a different person. I was beginning to think that she was bipolar. And one from Noah saying he was flying in on Friday, May 26th. I wasn't to tell Chevy because he wanted to surprise her. I refocused my attention on the task at hand. Somehow, over the past few years, my job description had changed from smooshing to crunching numbers. I squinted at the columns and columns of digits, and as I could have predicted, my head began to hurt. I opened my desk drawer and pulled out a bottle of Tylenol that I had kept there for these moments. After popping two pills, I washed them down with a bottle of Fiji water. I made a mental note to call the optometrist in the morning. These sudden headaches were becoming more frequent. I leaned back in my chair and waited for the medicine to take effect. Just as the pain was starting to ebb from my temples, the phone rang. Crystal Atkins? Chrissy? Peyton, my mother, questioned from the other end of the line. Hi, Mom. How are you? I'm fine, sweetie. How are you? Fine. You don't sound fine. You sound stressed. That, too. Just a headache. What's up? My mother was silent for a while. I suspected she was carefully choosing her words. We'd spoken just once since I returned, and that conversation had been brief. Oh, nothing. I was just thinking about you and wanted to hear your voice, she said. I knew she really wanted to hear the details of my trip, but I wasn't telling. Thanks, Mom. Glad to know you care, I said dryly. Of course I do, honey. Listen, I thought maybe if you could get a few days off, you could come out and visit with me. Now, she knew I'd just gotten back from Antigua. I can't take any more time until July. Well, how about I come and visit you? Don't get me wrong. I love my mother but I just wasn't in the mood to have her in my space for an extended period of time. She had had a bad habit of rearranging my things, going through my drawers, and wanted to talk in explicit detail about my sex life. Um, Mom, I'm really up against it here at work, and now is just not a good time. Let me get back to you with the date. Oh, I understand. She was wounded. I could hear it in her voice. But hey, Memorial Day weekend is next week. Maybe I could get a cheap flight out then. And I said, even though I knew I wouldn't even try. 
Yeah, baby, that would be nice, Peyton said, her voice light. Okay, honey, the girls just pulled up. Oh, where are you all off to? Bingo, and then later target practice. Target practice with guns? Yes, sweetie. What do you need to know how to shoot a gun for, Mom? Hey, a girl has to know how to protect herself, Peyton said, and then, ta-ta, sweetie, remember, Mommy loves you, and with that, she was gone. I placed the phone back down onto the base. That mother of mine had a better social life than I did. It was just past 8 o'clock, and from the look of things, I would be here for at least another two or three hours. I looked down at the pages before me, and the pain in my head started its thumping once more. The ringing telephone pulled me from my slumber. I looked at the clock, and it said it was just past midnight. I was annoyed. The first time the phone rang, it was around 11. I was so tired. All I could do was pull the pillow over my head. I told myself that whoever it was would just have to leave a message. Now it was ringing again. I gave in and answered. Hello? My voice was hoarse, so I cleared my throat and tried again. <clears throat> Hello? Crystal. My name came out as if the person calling it was in a tunnel. Yes, who's this? I said, pulling myself into a sitting position and stifling a yawn. It's Neville. This was a spot of sunshine on an otherwise gray week I brightened. Neville, how are you? I squealed, suddenly no longer tired. Make me jealous. Tell me about the beautiful warm days and the crystal clear waters. <laughs> I laughed, pulling my knees up to my chin. Baby, how beautiful can it be when you're so far away? Neville responded in that sexy antiquant accent that never failed to make me wet. I grinned. He was a man who knew how to make a woman feel like a woman. It's so nice to hear from you, Neville. What's going on? I asked, straining to hear Antiqua's night sounds. Not a thing, girl. How are you? Neville asked, and his tone shook a bit as if he knew that I was going through something. I felt the tears begin to well up in my eyes, but I blinked them away and turned up the cheer level in my voice. Just working hard. Nothing new. Same old thing. Are you sure? I looked at the phone. Neville was perceptive, but this was ridiculous. Yes, of course. Why did, did you have a dream about me or something? Gal, I'm always dreaming about you. Oh, Neville, when are you coming back down to see me? I wanted to say I'll be right there today, the last flight in, but I had to re be realistic. My life, my real life is right here in New York. Oh, I hope I can get down there in the next few months or so. I just need for things at work to calm down. Beep. The tone sounded, advising us that our call was about to come to an end. Hey, Crystal, I only had a few dollars left on this phone card. I'll give you a call again. Your call has come to an end. Thank you for using Caribbean Way phone cards. I listened to the computerized voice, and then when it was done, I listened to the dial tone. Geneva. The apartment was clean, spick and span clean. Charlie was fast asleep in her bed, a bottle of champagne was chilling in the fridge, and Teddy Pendergrass was crooning from my boombox. Everything was perfect. Dika and Eric were flying in tonight. Their plane was due to land at 8.15 and it was just past 9. Dika was coming straight here. Eric was shooting over to the apartment he shared with his girlfriend. Dika and I would have all night to get reacquainted. 
I changed my lingerie six times, starting with the red petty that had the patch cut out and moving to an all-over ivory-colored piece that had the tits cut out. Then I changed my mind yet again and donned a scallop lace emerald green number that showed all that God has blessed me with. But I didn't think that Deacon could handle all those blessings on his first night back. So I finally decided on a simple white silk spaghetti strap nighty. At 10 o'clock, he still hadn't arrived. I tried his cell phone, but it went straight to voicemail. Stretching out on the couch, I decided I would channel surf to pass the time. When I found my eyelids were beginning to droop from sleep, I sat up and turned on some bumping music. That would keep me awake. But after 10 minutes of mob beat, all I had was a headache. I would call Crystal. Yeah, that's what I'd do. And we'd talk until Deka got there. But when I dialed her number, all I got was her answering machine. It was almost 11 o'clock at night. Where the hell was she? Shit, where was my man? Were they together? When I opened my eyes, the sun was up. The clock on the cable box told me it was just after 7 in the morning. I had spent the entire night on the couch. Alone, Dika had never shown up, and he hadn't even called. I turned my head. Ah, oh, just great. My neck was stiff. Slowly, I queased myself erect and rolled my head on my neck. A lot of help, that was it. All it did was make the pain worse. Good morning, sleepyhead. The familiar voice came from across the room. I slowly turned my head to see Deka seated in the old recliner, wrapped in the patchwork quilt I'd owned for ages. I blinked. Surely my eyes was playing tricks on me. Deka? Yeah, Neva, it's me. Stiff neck forgotten, I was up and on him in a flash. Oh, baby, I missed you so much. When did you get in? Why didn't you wake me? I spoke with a mile a minute while covering his face in kisses. Slow down, baby, slow down. <laughs> I got here about four this morning. I tried to wake you, but you were out cold. Oh, baby, 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 I am so sorry. Why didn't you go and get in the bed? I haven't seen you in a month, babe. I just wanted to sit here and watch you sleep. I blushed. Was this a man or was this a man? He reached up and touched my hair. You cut it. My heart seized up. He hated it. I like it, baby. It really suits you. Like I said, what a man. You want to go um, lay down together? Deacon's tone dropped to a seductive level as he nodded towards the bedroom. I giggled but didn't move. Come on, he urged, his penis already growing hard beneath my thigh. We had to act quickly. I had a six-year-old that would be up in a few minutes. What's the hurry, Geneva? Deca cried as I ripped at his clothes like a wild woman. We needed to get naked and fast. Charlie, I said, pulling my nightgown over my head. Oh, yeah, Deca said and dove into the bed. Tossing the nightgown to the floor, I dove in beside him. We turned towards each other, our foreheads bumping loudly. Ow! Sorry, baby. Me too. We kissed hungrily, and our hands moved over each other's body, stroking, massaging, pulling. I want to be on top, I said, breathlessly, already moving into position. Oh, okay. I dropped one breast into Deca's open mouth. He sucked happily on my nipple while I twirled his nipples between my thumb and forefinger. I was propped up on his belly. I could feel his cock throbbing between my legs. Put it in, he begged. Put it in now. I eased up, grabbed his meat, and slipped it inside of me. It had been so long. I almost exploded on contact, but I controlled myself and grabbed hold of the headboard, and I began to rock.
Fuck me, baby. Fuck me. Dinka cried, his hands gripping my hips. The bed bugged wildly up and down with our frenzied rhythm. The headboard banged loudly against the wall, and I felt the pleasure begin to swell in the pit of my stomach. Dinka's eyes were tightly shut, and his mouth hung open as if he were in the middle of a forgotten statement. The pleasure, hot and prickly, moved through my entire body, bringing me to the most fucking fantastic orgasm I'd ever had. I'm coming i screamed as all my womanly juices exploded inside me and drained down onto dika's dick dika shuddered his teeth clamping together as the muscles of his face drained beneath his skin Woo! he breathed after shooting his load damn baby that shit was bananas I pulled off of him and onto the bed. We were both soaking wet with perspiration. Yeah, it was. I was still trying to catch my breath. Mommy, Charlie's voice floated over to me from the doorway. Horrified, Dika and I scrambled to cover ourselves with the sheet. Hey, hey baby, uh, go back in your room. Mommy's coming, I said, smiling and shooing her away with my hand. Charlie rubbed one eye while she peered at us with the other. Why did Dika have his pee-pee in your kitty cat, Mommy? <laughs> oh, wow. I had a laugh. That was funny. Noah, I felt damn good being back home again. Brooklyn, New York had a vibe that London just did not have. When the yellow cab came to a stop in front of my beautiful brownstone, I felt my heart leap in my chest. What the hell? I shouted. The front steps were littered with supermarket circulars, making my home sweet home look like an abandoned dwelling. Furious, I tossed a 10 and 20 at the driver, snatched my Louis Vuitton luggage from the trunk, and marched up the stone steps. I'd been nice enough to allow my friend, soon-to-be ex-friend, Chevy, to live in my home while I cohabited with my partner in London. And as meager as the rent I charged her was, most of the time I had to hunt her down for it. No telling how many times the light and telephone had been cut off since she'd been living here. Chevy had her priorities all fucked up. I set my luggage down in front of the mahogany double doors. I would pick up the circulars first and then head inside to see what damage had been done there. There had to be at least 30 circulars on my steps. I couldn't believe Chevy had allowed them to pile up so. Is that Noah? I froze for a moment wishing that I had left the step cleaning till later because now I was going to have to answer the million and one question my nosy neighbor was going to swing in my way. I took a deep breath, put a smile on my face, and slowly turned around. Yeah, it's me, Sharon. Sharon was a tall, lanky, 70-year-old woman who had lived on Student Avenue her whole life. Literally, she was born in the brownstone she still lived in. She'd seen the neighborhood go from good to bad and back to good again. Noah, she screamed, rushing me and throwing her wiry arms around my neck. For being close to a century old, she sure was quick on her feet. It's so good to see you. You too. Let me help you with that, baby, Sharon said as she reached for some of the circulars and started towards the dark 
can that sit alongside the steps. I just hate these things. They make such a mess of the block. She slurred through her gums. Sharon had a habit of forgetting to put her partial plates in her mouth. Sometimes she remembered to slip in the upper plate and not the lower one, or vice versa. Today she'd forgotten the lower partial, so her bottom lip had rolled in over the bare gum, making her look ten years older than she was. So how you been? She asked, folded her arms across her sagging breast. She stopped wearing bras back in the 60s when they were burning them. Now... I knew that she didn't really care how I was doing, but she was just being polite to ask, and I started to answer because I knew that as soon as I got started, she was just going to cut me off. Well, I'm doing, that's good. Now, let me tell you about this new family that done moved in next door to you. Sharon leaned in and began whispering in a conspirator tone. Gotta be about 50 of them. 50? That many? I teased. Sharon had a habit of speaking in hyperbole. Yeah. Big house, four stories like mine, not like yours, only three, she huffed. I felt myself stiffen. There was some type of weird hierarchy where brownstones were concerned. If you had a four-story brownstone, you were in a higher class than the three-story brownstones. White? I had to ask. The neighborhood seemed to be getting lighter with each passing day. Colored, Miss Sharon said. I started to ask her how many colors they were but it would have gone right over her head. She was born during a time when we considered colored to mean black folk. She never moved beyond that to black or to the most recent term, African American. Oh, really? I murmured and shook my head. Okay, Miss Sharon, look, I got to get on in the house and unpack, I said. Already starting up the steps. It was nice seeing you again, I threw over my shoulder. Yeah, okay then, Miss Sharon said and started out of the gate before turning around and asking, Noah, you still a faggot. I had corrected Miss Sharon on that term more times than I could count. She used it on me so much that I had become desensitized to it. And really and truly, she didn't mean any harm. I turned around, offered her my warmest smile and said, Yes, Miss Sharon, I am still gay. She nodded her head thoughtfully before offering me her best piece of advice. Take it to the Lord, Noah. He can fix it. I will remember that, Miss Sharon. Thank you, I said before pushing the key into the lock. The inside of my house looked like who did it and why. The garbage can in the kitchen was running over with trash. There were dishes in my stainless steel sink and dried eggs stuck on the grates of my Amana stovetop. My hardwood floors didn't look like they'd had a damp mop dragged across them in months, and there was dust on everything, and all of my tropical fish was floating belly up in the tank. I just stood in the middle of the living room, staring open-mouthed at the disorder and dirt. I wanted to scream, but it caught in my throat. I wanted to move, but my feet were cement blocks. I couldn't imagine what it looked like upstairs. How could one person be so irresponsible, so filthy, so fucking inconsiderate with another person's home? Well, I tell you this right now, that bitch was out of my house. Out, out, out. After standing there for a few minutes, I finally felt the feeling coming back to my feet before I could do anything. I needed to calm myself down, shake off that jet lag, and talk myself out of killing Chevy. 
turning towards the kitchen. I tried my best to avert my eyes from the floating fish. Once in the kitchen, I forced myself not to puke as I donned my rubber gloves and opened the dishwasher. I would simply put all of the filthy dishes in the dishwasher. That's what it was there for, right? But to my surprise, there was already dishes inside. I pulled the rack out, intent on putting the clean dishes away. But to my further surprise and mountain disgust, the dishes inside were dirty. Not just dirty, but grimy. There was mold growing on my fucking dishes. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mold. I slammed the door to the dishwasher and decided that this was as good as a time as any to venture upstairs and see what damage had been done there. Before I even hit the top landing, I could hear the toilet running. I barged into the bathroom and shook the silver handle, then turned to see what the faucet was dripping. I tightened the hot water handle, then the cold, and the dripping stopped. The tub itself had a ring so dark around it that I knew I was going to have to use a power hose to get it clean again. Steaming. I moved from the bathroom into the back bedroom that was supposed to be Chevy's room. There were mountains of clothes thrown across the bed, burying it from view. Shoes laid strewn across the floor, covering the once glistening hardware hardwood floor the way moss covers the sidewalk. The smaller room beside its doubles as a walk-in closet and a place to store the ironing board. The closet doors were open and inside there were dozens more of Chevy's clothes and shoes. Across the ironing board were crumpled towels. Towels that I suspected had been used and then thrown carelessly across the board instead of being deposited in the hamper. I turned on my Birkenstock heels and moved down the narrow hell hall towards my bedroom. I braced myself and closed my eyes before I stepped inside. I stood there for a minute before opening one eye and then the next. And it was as I thought it would be. A fucking mess. That bitch had been sleeping in my bed. From where I was standing, I could see coffee stains on my ecru-colored raw silk duvet. The fucking coffee cup, still filled with coffee, was sitting on the nightstand. Fashion magazines everywhere. Some open and dog-eared, others stacked in half-sutter piles along the wall. My head was spinning, and then my eyes fell on that piece de resistance. A lime green thong that Miss Chevy had just apparently stepped her stank ass out of and left in the middle of the floor. That nasty heifer. Woo! Honey, if I came home and somebody had tore up my house, oh, we would have, uh, oh, hell fucking no. It would be over. Hey, come back next week and listen to more of Heat, written by Geneva Holiday, author of Fever and Groove. My name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to thank you for listening to my podcast, Miss Z's Storytelling. Peace.